we'll read a couple verses and we'll pray. chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to focus, if you would, on verse 2, where he says, Be not transformed, be, excuse me, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And he says how to do it by the renewing of your mind. And you could also interpret that, also be transformed by the renewed mind you already have that God's given you. I think they both go together if you look at it like that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for the, the privilege uh, to worship you this morning. Thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that uh, you're so merciful and so gracious. We can sing about your, your uh, faithfulness. You're faithful to your people. And uh, you give us just what we need every single day. And there's mercy for every day. And we pray today, Father, that all that we do would honor Christ, that you would magnify, honor, glorify your Son for us today, and that we leave here saying, it's been wonderful. We've been with the Lord. We spent time with God. We worshiped you, and Christ was honored in all we do. We thank you, Father. We pray that you would put Christ on our hearts and in our minds. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to be, I want to uh, begin this morning, first thing I want to give a little introduction about uh, how I understand the Word of God is to be approached. Then secondly, I want to focus in on verse 2 and interpret verse 2 in light of the context, which would be what goes before it as the foundation and what comes after it as instruction to build on, actual um, imperative instructions coming behind that and tell you exactly what to do. It doesn't leave us wondering, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do to be renewed in the, the spirit of your mind? I would say, uh, first of all, this morning, concerning the Word of God, it, it is vitally important in my understanding to be faithful to God's Word, is to stand toe-to-toe with every single Scripture in God's Word, interpret it as it's written, and that every word means what it says. And if it doesn't mean what it says, then how are we ever going to know what it means, we'll never know what it means if it doesn't mean what it says. So if you study God's Word and you find an understanding of God's Word and you say, well, I think that's a spiritual application. I think there's a little, something there more than just what's plain. That's fine. But don't ever go back and say, because of how I see that now, that means those words don't really mean that. Then you messed up. <laughs> it either means what it says or it doesn't. So we stand toe-to-toe with God's Word and we're honest with God's Word. And, and we stick with it, and we understand that it's the in, inherent, that means it's no mistakes, inspired, God-breathed, authoritative, what it says we're to do, Word of God. 
And it's not only that, but it's sufficient. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. The Word of God is everything that we need. We we are thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, fully complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, Everything we need is in the Word of God. We we study other things. I understand to help us understand the Word of God, but we don't really need any supplemental material. Everything we need is in the Word of God. And the reason I'm saying that is because the way we're going to approach this text today is placing it in its context and understanding that you interpret text and you interpret words by the context that they're putting. By the way, you know, every dictionary you find, Bible dictionary, and they're good. I'm glad to have them. Every Greek Hebrew dictionary, every interlinear, they're all written by men. Every single one of them. I'm not saying I'm not glad that we have them, but they're all written by men. But the Word of God is perfect and can be considered perfect, and whenever you're interpreting Scripture with other Scriptures, you can be sure you're on the right track. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. And, and we believe that, and we believe it's perfect, and we understand that, and, that, and that's, that's what's so important in approaching the Word of God. And um, I can tell you, as a, as a preacher, I've always been extremely organized. <laughs> always. I never get in a pulpit without having everything just perfectly lined out. Don't have that this morning. <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're just going to look at this text and, and pray that God lead us well and, and be with us. Back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Being conformed to this world means you're going to follow after. You're going to be like this world. And Christians are capable of doing that. Now, if you keep doing that, you're probably going to prove that you're not really a Christian. But God's people can do that. Or he wouldn't be telling this church that. Don't Don't go along and conform yourself to the world. He said, but what? Be transformed. There's a difference of being conformed and transformed. Conformed means I'm going to look like this. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to do that. Transformed means you're being changed. There's some change happening. Something's going on. Something's different. You're different than the world. Being transformed is what being born again is all about. You're taken from one thing to another thing. You live in the human worldly kingdom and you've been transformed, translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear son. And it's a miraculous thing. Lost wife was translated from the human kingdom into the mineral kingdom. You see how that works? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar was translated out of the human kingdom into the animal kingdom. When God saved us, he took us out of this world and put us into the kingdom of God. Now, we're still in this world, but he opened our eyes where we can see we're born again. We see the kingdom of God. We enter into the kingdom of God. We're transformed. Live like that. Not conform to this world, but like that. And he says, why? That you may prove, you may test, make sure you know. God doesn't need to be tested or proved for himself. By the way, he didn't have a problem even going on with you. He didn't have a problem with your sin. He didn't have a problem with your life. You have problems. He doesn't. And so we test that. And we, and we test this. Notice, let me prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. You can test it and you can know it. Now, as I said, we're going to interpret this by putting a foundation to it, what's gone before, and instructions 
as to what's afterwards. So we'll understand how to do it. How do I do this? How do I prove and test what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for my life? By the way, what does that mean? What is God's good will? What's good will? What's written in His Word? It's revealed. We have that. We know it's good. We know it's right. We know it's good. Does that mean it always happens exactly that way? No, but there's that acceptable will also. What is that? That's the will of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that's acceptable with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So praise God. Everything this Bible says that's good for us to do or to be, He's done it all for us. And then we have that acceptable will of God, which is Christ Himself. That means He did it, it's accepted, we're accepted in Christ. Praise the Lord. Not comma, period. <laughs> we're, we're accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ in that perfect will of God. What is the perfect will of God? Well, the perfect will of God is what He's determined before the foundation of the world to happen. And that's every single thing that ever occurs. There's not one random molecule in the universe. God's in control of all of it, and He determined it all, and He's carrying it all out, and He's working on it. So you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All of that's going to happen. How do you do that? What are we talking about? He's talking about getting your life, and there's a way to do it, in line with God's perfect will. You say, what's that mean? I thought, well, I was already accepted. You're accepted in Christ, and everything's fine. If you get off track of that, you're never going to get this. But you come to a place in your life, and this, this teaches exactly how to do that, where you're walking in the good will of God, and you're wanting the things that God wants for your life, and it lines up exactly with what's predetermined. By the way, everything does anyway. But there's such a blessing in that, that you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed. And we're going to talk about how that happens. We're going to talk about why he's saying to do it and how it happens. Why is he saying to do it? He says, I beseech you, I beg you, I'm pleading with you, that you present your bodies, that's your physical body, your life, everything about you, as a sacrifice. Give yourself to the Lord. What? Everything. You'll talk about what I gave the Lord. What, what, what's reasonable? He said, "Your reasonable service." It just makes sense after what He's done for you. <laughs> that everything is His. Count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, of whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He, he's teaching us that we could. He's saying, "I beseech you, I beg you." Why? By the mercies of God. That's what he's talked to us about in the first 11 chapters. The mercies of God. The book of Romans is the greatest treatise ever written in the history of the world on the doctrine of salvation. And he teaches us in the book of Romans that, that none of us have any righteousness of our own. And by the way, you never will. <laughs> you realize that. You may commit some righteous acts and deeds and God's working that in you. That's fine. But it's all of Christ. And, and, and he teaches us in chapter 3 that there's none righteous, not a Jew, not a Gentile, and how God saves us through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he sent his son into this world to die for our sins, and then how after that happens, God sends his spirit into our heart to help us understand that and enjoy that, and there's a new life that we have, and we were servants of sin, but now we've become servants of righteousness. God's done something in us. And when that life comes, then that's when we say, that that I would not do, that's what I do. The things that I do are the things that I wouldn't do. And I find a rule. When I would do good, evil's present with me, and it's a struggle. But he says, that rule is a good thing. You say, well, it's not a good thing to fail all the time. Well, the fact that you hate it when you do, 
<laughs> That's a good thing. And then he cries out, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to do that? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, who giveth us the victory. When you have that experience in your life, you know you're born again. You know you're one of God's children. I want to, but I can't. But I want to real bad. My real desire is I want to serve God with everything I have. I don't ever want to fail. I don't ever want to sin. But then it happens. Then I hate myself. And then what am I going to do? It's going to be Christ. There's going to be nothing. And then the very next chapter, chapter 8, Romans says, there's therefore now, because of that, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because that struggle is there. And if there's going to be any, we'd have it because of that. But that struggle just proves that we're changed. And that God's done a work in our heart and we're a new person. And that Christ is going to deliver us. And there's a new law and the spirit and the life of Christ made me free from that law of sin and death. And what the law could not do, the law couldn't do it because it's weak through my flesh. I don't have the ability. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh for me. I couldn't do that. So he did that for me. He did every bit of it for me. And so Paul comes up here to chapter 12 and he says, Listen, you understand what I've taught you? I'm begging you. Give your life completely to Him. If you want to walk in the will of God and you want to have peace in your life and you want to really serve God and you want to experience what God has for you, look at that teaching and think, what could I not do for God? Give your life to Him. And when you do that, what happens if we, if we understand these instructions? Your mind remains renewed. You walk in the perfect will of God. There's a peace that passes all understanding that comes with being focused on Christ, which it's all about. That's what it's all about, by the way. And so, if we look here in verse 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's he talking about? Where's the battle? It's in your mind. After you're saved, the battle's in your mind. There's a war going on in your mind. Let me give you a first place we want to go is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 please because now how do we do this we know why we're good because he's been so merciful to us we shouldn't live like the rest of this world we should be transformed 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and it's all about the mind how do we get our mind right in the will of God notice here in chapter 10 Beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You understand that, right? We're still in this flesh. We still live in this, and we still have sin in our body. By the way, when the Holy Spirit comes into us, it doesn't make our flesh better. You're never going to make your flesh better. Your flesh is still there, still fighting, still struggling. You just have a new spirit man there that never wants to sin and always wants to serve God. That's the battle going on. Well, how do you fight that battle? Well, here we see that it says we don't walk after the, we walk after the flesh. We live. I mean, excuse me. We though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. We don't fight fleshly things, worldly things. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't take a gun and fight yourself spiritually. You can't. You can't. You know, take a, a club and, and fight the devil with it. It's not going to work. So what do we do? Our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty. They're mighty through God. What weapons do we have? Well, it's going to sound like preacher rhetoric, but obviously the Word of God. We know the Word of God. We hide the Word of God away in our heart that we might not sin against God. Stay faithful to church. Keep praying. 
Trust the Lord. There's some good ones right there. That'll keep you busy right there. Trust what His Word teaches you. Stay faithful to serving Him in His church. Stay in prayer. That's enough right there. Those are weapons that you have that aren't worldly. Those are spiritual weapons that you have to fight. And what are you doing? You're protecting your mind. Pulling down a stronghold. What's a stronghold? Something in your mind that's got you thinking differently. Conforming to the world. Well, this can't be, because I know that's got to be different. I know see with my eyes. Look at that. And by the way, we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody starts telling you something, starting, well, I see that, and pulling you away. Maybe you problems in your life, you want to give up, so you, you start thinking bad thoughts. Whatever it is, you have thoughts in your mind keeping you from serving the Lord as you should, enjoying Christ as you should, and those things are like strongholds, and it says these weapons that we have, and we just name a few, prayer, stay in the Word of God, staying in church, trusting God's Word by faith, exercising the faith God's given you, well, it cast down imaginations. That's what those things are when they pop in your mind. They're imagination. I'm just imagining. I'm assuming stuff. I don't even know. I'm worried to death about it. And I don't even know because God has, the, has it already determined, but I don't. So I worry. And I have imagination. It's imagination. Just imagining what's going to happen. And that's a stronghold in my mind to hold me back. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, what's that? Being way too small for God, God's word. You, you, I already know. You don't have to tell me what the Bible says. I can see it or not. That kind of thinking is there's strongholds in your brain and your mind holding you back. And what do we do? We use the weapons of prayer, the Word of God, fellowship with God's people to strengthen us, strengthen our hand in the Lord. What? To bring every, every thought. What? Bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. You catch that? We take our thought life and we bring it captive through the Word of God, through prayer, through fellowship with God's people, through singing Him, singing when we're alone, praising God, staying in church, all those things, living the Christian life like you're supposed to. What's it do? It keeps your mind focused on Christ. Now, if you have some different translation, it may say, bringing captivity every thought unto the obedience in Christ. If you bring your thoughts into your obedience in Christ, then you're chasing your tail. Is your obedience in Christ is not going to bring down any strongholds. It's going to make you think you're something you're not. It's obedience of Christ. Everything that we have points us to Christ. The Word of God points us to Christ. When we pray, we, we only pray in the name of Christ. It points us to Christ. When we sing, we sing about Christ. When we fellowship with God's people, we fellowship in Christ. All these things that God's given us, all these weapons to fight this spiritual battle, God's given us to focus our minds on Christ. And there's the key. Bringing every thought captive. Pulling down those strongholds. Those, it's like a citadel. like a big. You watch some of these cool movies where they have these battles, you know, back in the dark ages. And they'll come with the catapults and the archers. And, and they can't penetrate those big, giant rock walls. That's what's in your mind sometimes. It's like and you can't get it down. But we can pull them down. We have catapults. We have, we, have, we have more than that. We have the Word of God and all these things to help us. And, we, and it, it takes our mind and it focuses our mind on Christ. When we hear the gospel, that's why you never want to have man involved in the gospel. Once you start taking the gospel and saying, here's what man does in the gospel, it's not on Christ anymore, it's on him. The gospel is all about Christ. 
It's a declaration of Christ. We declare what Christ has done. We declare what Christ will do for us. We declare what Christ has determined. We declare how wonderful Christ is. And that puts our mind on Him, not on us. And it brings down all those strongholds, all those things that would hold us back. Because we're focused on our Lord Jesus Christ, as we should be. We bring our thoughts captive unto Christ. So back there in Romans chapter 12. He begins now to give us instruction exactly how to do this. I've already given you some by looking at that other text, but you have an idea where we're headed. It's all about your mind in Christ. Where's your mind? Mind needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you do it. You say, well, I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice. I'm going to go out and just do something that's going to physically hurt me, and then God will love me. That's not what he's talking about. Not at all, okay? When your mind's on Christ, then what you do is going to follow. It works follow, right? Works don't go first. It's not about works, but it, it does produce works, and that's what we're going to find. Here, here's the thought. It's all about your mind. Notice verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. First thing, what do you do? If you want to, bring, if you want to, get, you want to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and test God's will for your life and have peace in that, first thing you do, notice right here, I say through the grace of God given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Step number one. Humility. You're not to think of yourself. You start making it about you, then you're getting off track. You're not that special. You're obviously special in God's eyes, but you don't have the ability to live this life. You don't have the ability to do any of these things. It's the Lord that's going to have to work this through you. So if you, if you think, well, I'm going to grab a hold of this, Thing, I'm going to grab a hold of Christianity. I'm going to make it work. You're going to be in big trouble. The first step is to not do that. The first step is to not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But how are we to understand it? Think soberly. That means you your mind and just going from here to there. Just keep it on track. According to, as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. You recognize that the amount of faith you have to trust him the amount of faith he's given you to believe his word, to understand the things of God, is a measure. God measured that to you. Humble yourself. <laughs> I wouldn't even know him if it wasn't for him doing a work in my heart. I wouldn't have any ability to understand anything we're talking about if he wouldn't measure. He deals it out. You know how much faith you're going to get tomorrow? Whatever he deals out. That's humbling. <laughs> you know, the next day, how am I going to make it through that day? Well, I'm going to have faith. How much am I going to have? Just enough that I need, exactly when I need it, he's going to measure it out. It's not you. It's him. And then we, we move on. Well, let's, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 first real quick and just show you that, how humbling this is. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, the last part of verse 5 tells us to be, you know, clothed with humility, right? Subject one another. We, and that's part of this too. You know, we give ourselves to each other and one another, and we're clothed with humility by doing that. Why? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You want more grace? There's going to have to be some humility. God's not going to run around giving you more and more and more and more grace every day if you're 
walking proud, thinking it's all about you. You've just excluded yourself from that. And then here he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself under the mighty I used to think that meant, Alejandro, I thought that God was over me, and that if I messed up, he'll squish me. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. He'll talk. That's not at all what that means. It tells us exactly what it means. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Humility and trusting God is almost the same thing. That's how you humble yourself. You want to be how you humble? You've got to give it all to him. You say, but I can't let it. You better. I can't let go of this because it's You better. You mean really step out and trust Christ with everything and don't try to fix it myself at all? That's exactly what he's saying. Did I say don't do anything? I didn't say that. You'll see. The works follow. It's got to be faith first. It's got to be God first. It's got to be God doing it. And so here he says, cast all your care upon him. One, he cares about you. He cares. So if you want to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that you may be exalted in due time, same thing Christ did. We're going to see that when we close. He humbled himself. He was exalted. You humble yourself. How do you do that? Cast all your care on him. You trust him with every fiber you have. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. If he kills me, I'll keep trusting him. Because I need that grace. I need him to be with me. And, I'm, and he put it in me. I can't stop trusting him. So back there in, in uh, Romans 12, I think of the 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 4, verse 7. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? And if thou receivest, why dost thou glory as if thou didst not receive it? What is it that we have that the Lord hasn't given us? You name one thing, anything. <laughs> It's all of the Lord, right? That who, who makes you differ. Exactly. The Lord's done that. And that's the mindset Paul begins here to tell us how we are to have a renewed mind. How we are to prove that acceptable, good, and perfect will of God in our life. How we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So there, in, in verse uh, 3, as I said, he gives us a measure of faith. We're not to think too highly of ourselves. For as we have many members in one body, all the members have not the same office. Now, why do you do this? Now he's talking about the church. Now he's talking about being a member of a local church, serving God. By the way, Christianity in the New Testament is church life. There's no, there's no text in the New Testament that's not in, in the context of a local church. So we preachers just want everybody to go to church. You say church all the time. No, it's because the Bible is, is all about church. It's not all about church, it's about Christ, but the life that we're to live is in the church. And here he says that we're all one members of that one body, that local assembly, right? And But we don't have all the same office. We're all different inside that body. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone's members of another. First of all, you humble yourself. You don't think of yourself too highly. Then you recognize you're part of something bigger than you. Actually, part of something more important than you. I heard somebody here a while back, and it, it made me cringe because I know what they've been through and why they said it. No church is more important than a person. That's not true. Right. You give yourself to the church. You, everything's about giving yourself to the church. I mean, Christ obviously is who you're giving to, but as you serve the Lord, it's in the church. The church is more important than you. No doubt about that. It's obvious. 
If you're not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. All the one Corinthians is about that. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And so, so here we see that we're members one of another. We're part of each other, one of another in the local church. And we have gifts that are different according to what God's given us. He's proportioned it out to us. We all have different gifts. And he says in verse 6, whether it's prophecy, let us prophesy. If the Lord's given you the ability to prophesy the Word of God, that means when you speak the Word of God, it sounds different than other people. God's given you a gift. We're all supposed to preach the gospel as we go. But there's certain men in the church, the scripture shows there's women also, they pray, <laughs> prophesy with their head covered, so they do some, they, they teach as well, women do. And Lydia taught Paul, show him a better way. And so, when you have a gift to do that, it's a gift God's given you for the edification of the local church. And for the spread of the gospel, and for, for reaching God's elect, all that. So you, you have that gift. Well, if you have that, then use it. It's not complicated there. Our ministry, let's wait on our ministry. They don't mean to sit and wait. <laughs> but if you do, you, you use that ministry. What is that gift of ministry? You're serving. Serving. Like glory. That's definitely her gift. <laughs> no doubt about it. At least one of them. And it says, and he that teaches on teaching, if you have the ability to teach the Word of God, then use that gift that God's given you. What are we talking about? We're talking about how to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. If you're not faithful in church, using the gifts you have, you're not going to experience what verse 2 is all talking about. Let us teach our exhorting exhortation. That means, well, Mike, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something, seriously. I'll never forget a guy came to our church one time Brother Jim Gaylord was there and he tried to scam me in between services he knew I'd be busy in between Sunday school and worship service he tried to tell me he had this property that it, it, his mom died he needed money to go to Arkansas to bury her but they had 20 acres with a 4 bedroom house that he was going to give to me but they needed some money to get to Arkansas first to go down there and have a funeral <laughs> and, everything. and I, I couldn't talk to Brother Jim Gaylord got him and some of you know how meek a man he was he got him up against the wall and had his finger. He said, if you're lying to us, God knows. You're not going to hurt us for giving you money. We're going to give it to you. Boy, the Lord knows. And you're going to have to answer to him if you're lying. About two days later, I saw him on the news. He had been hitting other churches and he got arrested. <laughs> that was exhortation, see? Willing to stand right there and tell somebody. And if you have that gift, then do it. But do it with love. You know, get to exhort and tell people how it is about things that didn't do that. But use it. Uh, in a loving way. And it says, uh, let him do it with simplicity. If he's the gifts. People have, some people have a gift to give more than others. They really have a gift of giving. If you have a gift of giving, you probably have a gift of making money. <laughs> Lord hasn't given me that yet. <laughs> I try to give faithful, but it's according to what I have. But the Lord gives people gifts for that. And if you give, if you have, the Lord's giving you a gift to do it, then do it. Give, give, give. Church needs givers, you know, so do that. And then it says, uh, uh, he that rules, you know, if, you, if you have a position of authority, be diligent about it. It's not some small thing, it's a serious matter. If you have the ability to show mercy, what's that mean? Some people show mercy. Some people, just some reason they don't seem to have the same heart when someone else is hurting as others do. But some people, they see another brother or sister hurting, and it just they feel every bit of it. It's a gift. And it don't sound like a gift that you want, but it, it, it's a blessing to have someone come to you that can feel your pain and understand you, and, and, and that's a gift of mercy. I, I want to serve you. I want to give you. I want to be there for you when you don't even deserve it. I mean, you you are a wretch. I get it, 
and I'm going to show up at your door with a bowl of soup or whatever. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to, I'm going to love on you. I'm going to read you some scripture and tell you it's okay and hug you. Whatever. That type of person that has a gift of mercy to be merciful. Do it with cheerfulness. Then he, and those are gifts in the church. Use those. And then notice verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Now what he's going into here is something that is really amazing. And what he's doing is he's humbling us. Everything about this is humbling. Because, you know, in your flesh, do you really want to live and use all these gifts? And then you'd like to just, everything in the world is like a shiny lure to the bats, you know. I want to take off over here. I don't want to do that. He's giving us these instructions. That's how to live your life. And then he says some things that are mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly, I can't say it right, amazingly impossible. Notice verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Your love can't have any hypocrisy in it. So I love you, brother, unconditional. That's what the Lord's telling me to do. And I can't be faking it. You don't show up in the church and go, how you doing? Oh, just fine. You can't, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. But maybe I do. So how do I make that work? What do I do? How can I not be a hypocrite? When I have certain feelings in my heart or I've done certain things I can't change or how can I love somebody without being fake about it? I can't. That's what he's telling us. Say, Lord wouldn't tell us to do things we can't do. You realize everything he tells us to do you can't do outside of Christ? If Christ didn't do it, you'd never make it. So he's saying let love be, it's got to be perfect, it's got to be right, it's got to be right reason all the time. What's he doing to us? He's driving us to our knees. Lord, I can't do this without your help. I can't do that. I need your help. He said, well, we love each other. We don't love each other that perfect. (laughs) But he's telling us to do it. He's humbling us. We have to seek the Lord. Everything he's doing is putting our mind on Christ. You're going to have to seek him for that. Then he keeps on going, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. He didn't say... Don't do evil. He said that. I can handle that. It gives me something to do. That's man's works. Don't do evil. Got it. I can, I'll grab a hold of that bull by the horns and I won't do any evil. I don't think that's going to last. And then and he didn't say, do that which is good. If he said do that which is good, you got a whole world of religious people out there jumping on that. Oh, I'll do good. I can do good. He didn't say that. He said, abhor that which is evil. you got to hate it. How do I hate what's evil when I still have that old flesh nature in me? How could I possibly do that? Abhor it. And how can I cleave? I cleave to good. I love good all the time. I can't. He's driving me to my knees. He's making me look again to Christ. I have to have my focus on Christ. Be kindly affectionate one another, one to another with brotherly love, honoring, preferring one another. I always think like this, like like me and Waylon. Now, this may be true of me and Waylon, exactly true. But we hit that door at the same time, we're like, can't get through it together. <laughs> Waylon, you first. Then. No, no, Brother Jason, you can go first. No, Waylon, you yeah. prefer you. You see how that works? That's what he's talking about. The other person first, not you. But the other person first. How can I do that? I like me too much. I'm going to have to trust the Lord when I have to look to Christ. And everything he's doing is putting us on our knees, humbling us, chopping us down. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And preferring one another. Which I want to do that. I do in my spirit. I, the Lord's changed my heart. I do. I really, my deepest desire is to do these things. But I know 
There's a rule. And I would do good evil is present with me. He said, how can I do this? I can't. I'm going to have to have the Lord to help me. Not slothful in business, uh, fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. All, all of these things uh, come into play. Notice um, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Sometimes I don't feel like rejoicing in hope. Sometimes I don't have much hope. How do I do that? I'm going to have to have his help. Patient in tribulation. You read through, if you just read kind of over this, you might think that it's not that big a deal. You stop on some of these things, you realize, I can't do that. Not like it's written, it's written perfectly. And here it says, patient in tribulation, continue an instant in prayer. It means your prayer life needs to be on the ball. I fail. I fail all the time. I fail all the time in prayer. And so, so we're going to have to have a Lord. Notice this, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. When it's on your heart to say, hey, I want to invite these people over to the house because I think you know, maybe we can be a good witness to them and love on them a little bit. Or maybe I should take them out to do something. Or we should get more involved with somebody help them out a little bit. You go, nah, I really don't have time for that. You can't say that. Not according to this. The Lord's putting that on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit leading you. You need to obey it, right? can't always do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't struggle with all those kind of things. And you're going to need the Lord's help. And it rejoice with them that rejoice. Well, Alejandro, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm blessed with something that you're not and you're jealous and mad. I don't want to rejoice with him today. I don't like that. I can't make myself do it. Weep with them that weep. Maybe Sam's weeping over something and said, well, he serves that. <laughs> he deserves to do that. He deserves to suffer a little bit. I don't want to weep with him. What, that, you say, well, that's silly. That's exactly the way we act sometimes. Exactly what's in our hearts. And so, so we need the Lord's help with every one of these things. And then come back to the mind. Verse 16. Be of the same mind one toward another. How do we do that? Practicing all these things. Seeking God's help in doing this. Be of the same mind one toward north, uh, another. Mind not high things. Don't get too high mind. Don't think you're too smart. Don't act like you're part of this world with the philosophy and the understanding of this world and then your mind in the high things. You're so important. Stop. That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. But consent, consent to men of low estates. If you don't have the ability to, to just love anybody and to talk to anybody and to be, you know, if you're too good for somebody, you're missing this whole thing. None of us. If you've read the book of Romans up to this point, you should be getting this. The mercy of God is the only reason you're here in verse chapter 12. If we think we're too good for somebody, we're not going to be able to do any of these things. We're not to do that. Don't be wise in your own conceits. Don't think that you know things that you don't really know. Don't think that you know everything. Don't think that you know very much at all. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And he says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you. Then he kind of puts this one back on you. <laughs> Whatever God's given you the ability to do, live peaceably with all men. And these are tremendous instructions on how to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, how to be transformed and live this living sacrifice of a life. What do you mean a living? He's saying a living sacrifice. Christ died at Calvary. And then he saved us. And when he came into our hearts in our lives and he gave us a new life 
He changed us to live a sacrificial life like his life. He identified with us in flesh and blood. He could hunger and suffer. And now we identify with him through sufferings, suffering with him. And so he, he's teaching us to do something and live peaceably with all men. Notice Galatians chapter 2. We're going to have a couple more scriptures here. Galatians chapter 2. This is living sacrifice. I'm beseech, I beg you. Give your life as a sacrifice to the Lord. How do I do that? It's not going to be you grabbing hold by your abilities and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You're going to have to look to Christ. It's going to be all about Christ because your works always follow your faith, right? You're not going to run put works out there first. Notice here at Galatians chapter 2. I'm crucified with Christ. Same thing we just talked about, right? I died with Christ. When Christ came into my life, the Holy Spirit came into my life, I died to this world. There's a part of me that will never have anything to do with this world now. I died to it. I don't belong here. My citizenship is in heaven, right? I'm crucified with Christ. Now, crucified with Christ, not physically. <laughs> I live. I still am still alive. There's something about that's going on in my life that's dead. It's the death to the old world. God changed me, took me out of that. That's not my life anymore. And I live. I'm still alive, though. How do I deal with that? Well, yet not I, but Christ. He never intended on you to be about you. It's Christ. He put Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. He's in you. I'm crucified, but I'm still alive. And I'm still living this life. But here's the, here's the key. It's not me. Him. It's Christ in me, living through me. And he said, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. There's a life in me that I live. That's Christ in me, working out. He's working into will and to do of His good pleasure. I need to understand that. In my life. And it's the faith of Christ. And it says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live by faith in the Son of God in this context. If I, if I did it by my faith in the Son of God, that's not me crucifying me. <laughs> that's me doing things. In this context, I'm crucified, but I'm still alive, and I have a new life. This is theological. This is doctrinal. He's telling you that you have a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That life is not your life. It's Christ living in you, and you live by, remember, bringing our thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ, not our obedience. We live by His faith, not our faith. We live from faith to faith, right? His faith to our faith. It's His faith that we're focused on. I live by His faith. I trust in His faith. I trust that He took care of everything for me. He's going to take everything, care of everything for me. He's always taking care of everything for me. And He's always going to take care of everything for me. It's His faith. His faithfulness to God and Him trusting the Father, obeying the Father, and every single thing He did, has ever done or ever will do, that's on my account. And I trust in that, not in what I'm going to do. Or how I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to be, this is in order. When you're focused on Christ. You're resting in Christ. Step number one, rest in Christ. Step number two, revert back to step number one. Resting in Christ. 
That's how we end up serving the Lord, living for the Lord, giving our life as a sacrifice. Because it's humbling. It's humbling to trust Him with everything. And to step out and say, Christ did it all. I trust Him. I'm living a, a new life because of Him, not because of me. For Him, not for me. For the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to have that same mind, all of us. And let me, let me finish this out, verse 20. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. If I put myself in that and say, I'm going to grab a hold of this thing, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself better every day. I'm just going to get in there. Then I'm frustrating the grace, the grace of God I'm depending on. And he says, for if the righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. If there's something I'm going to do to obey a rule that's going to cause this to happen, then Christ died in vain. Because he came and fulfilled all that for me. And if I'm going to live like I shouldn't have peace in my life and, and live the Christian life and walk as I should walk and live that, in, that, in that perfect will of God, that means I'm looking to him. And I recognize every day that it's all Christ, not me. And let me tell you, you're not going to be wanting to live ungodly. <laughs> you're not going to be turning your brother down when you need to rejoice with them. You're not going to, all these things are going to fall into place. Step one. Rest completely in what Christ has done for you. Step number two, revert back to step number one. Give yourself completely to that. Step God gave you the faith for this purpose. Use it that way. I'm trusting the gospel. I'm trusting in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you. Philippians chapter 2, that's where we're going to wind up. Philippians chapter 2. Remember, it's all about the mind. We're being renewed in the spirit of our mind. We're to have the same mind toward one another. Philippians 2. And Paul, he's talking to another church, but he kind of has the same heart. We're in Romans chapter 12 where he says, I'm begging you. Please, look what God's done for you. I'm begging you. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Give your life as a sacrifice. And then he explains how to do it, right? Well, here he's kind of got the same heart. He's saying, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercy, if there's anything in you that's thankful for the gospel I brought to you, that there's anything in you, then please listen to this. Fulfill you my joy. As a minister to that church, he's telling you, Please do this for me so I can see it in you and have the joy of it. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Now, how does a group of people that are all diverse from different backgrounds come together, different ways of thinking, going to have the same mind, and then notice what he said, be of one accord and one mind? How's it going to happen? You've got to die to you and it's got to be all about Christ. It can't be about you. It's going to be all about Christ. You've got to realize that it's all the Lord Jesus Christ. Let nothing be done through what? Strife or vainglory. You don't strive with one another. You don't seek your glory in anything you're doing. And then he says, but it, in, in lowliness of mind, how do we do that? That's all my care upon him. I'm, I'm humble here. I have a measure of faith. I'm not any better than anybody else. You have to recognize that. Let each esteem other better than themselves. 
Look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Every, it's all about the mind. The mind of Christ. He didn't look on his own, he looked on yours. He didn't look on his own, now he still looked on yours. His glory is to save you and to intercede for you. That's where he receives his glory. He ever lives to intercede for us, even now. Sitting there in heaven, I don't, I don't know how it actually plays out. But I, I know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I'm not sure he's able anymore to go to God. I guess he can. I don't know where he couldn't. He went in Job's day. And he accuses us. He tries. All Christ's got to do is say, yeah, look at that hole. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> That's it. So, so look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's the mindset. Get your mind right. But being in the form of God thought it not robbery equal with God. What's he saying? He was in the form of God when he came as a man into this world. And he didn't think that it was robbery to be considered equal with God. He knew he was God. He had no problem with that. He didn't leave his deity behind. or anything. All he left was his glory. He didn't leave his attributes. He didn't leave his power. Nothing. He was still upholding all things by the word of his power. He upheld all things by the word of his power when he was in the manger, when he was in Mary's womb, when he was on the cross, after he died. You say, how can he still be upholding all things by the word of his power after he died when he's laying in the grave? Because death is not a cessation of existence. It's a separation. Constantly. As a little baby. He knew everything. I mean, eternally. As a baby. He knew that it was okay for him to be considered God. He didn't have a problem with that. And so if he could do this, surely us lowly creatures that have spit in his face and he's been merciful to us could work on doing this. He made himself of no reputation but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You willing to do that? Take the form of a servant? No reputation. As long as Christ is honored in my life and nobody remembers me, that's good enough. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's us. Now, obviously, we'd be willing to die, you know, be a martyr, but there's more than that to it. Be willing to die to this world. Be willing to. And he said he humbled himself and became obedient. And it says, unto death, even the death of the cross. What did he do there? And this is where it all comes into play. Why is it so powerful to focus your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because Christ went to the cross, took our sins upon himself, paid every single bit of our sin debt to God with his blood, and the Father saw that and was satisfied. You realize the Father saw the Son and was satisfied in Christ. 100%. And satisfied in us, in Christ, 100%. And nothing can change that. And God, I was justified before the throne of God by the Lord Jesus Christ before I was ever born. And that that justification, that making me right before God, I have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ through the new birth, but that standing that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ was procured 
Father was satisfied. He saw me in Christ, was satisfied with me before I was ever born. And nothing I do, nothing that happens in this world, in this life, my faith, my repentance, my new birth, whatever you want to call sanctification, your your new life, growing in grace and knowledge, none of that has any bearing, any effect on the fact that God accepts me 100% in Christ. I don't have to move one inch to the left, one inch to the right. I'm accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I get my mind on Him. Let me tell you what, that's why you need to hear the gospel preached as a declaration of what Christ has done that your mind would be right and everything else will follow everything else will follow and so here he says because he did that and this is our example to have our mind right wherefore God hath highly exalted him the way up is down and the Lord will do that in your life and one day he's coming for all of us Exaltation is going to be so amazing, you're not even going to be able to grasp it. It's going to blow your mind what he has for us. And he says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So what did he get? He said, His name is already above every name. I get it, but everything's being brought under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ through this time space continuum in this world. And he's being lifted up, lifted up, lifted up, lifted up. All the creatures of God, honoring and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything for the for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given him a name above every name. For what purpose? That at the name of Jesus. Now this is not us. We can take an example that we'll be exalted and blessed, but this is only for Christ. That at the name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Everything that exists will bow to the, bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Joe Biden will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back. Donald Trump will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. I will bow the knee. I'm doing. I'm getting mine limbered up now. Every single person that ever existed, all creation, will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of the Father. So, when Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 not to be conformed to this world, he's saying, don't go, don't live like the rest of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we continue that? How's that go on in our life? Well, you got to get to work, you got to do all this stuff, you got to give, you got to do... That's all part of it. God's giving you gifts to the ministry about that. That's right. But everything that he's given us to do we can't do without Him. We have a measure of faith for that. And if we're not looking to Christ, it doesn't mean anything anyway. It's all about bringing our thoughts captive unto His obedience. And that's what the gospel is all about. And what this is really talking about is living the gospel life. That's why it's important that you understand what the gospel really is. If you think the gospel is something you do, then you can't live like that and make this happen. But when you see that the gospel it's not a, you do this. Now, is there is there things that, that we're supposed to do, things that happen when we're born again and all that? Yes. But the gospel is declaring what Christ has already done for us. And if we're going to live in the gospel, we live in what he's already done for us. It's not me, but him. I have a new life. But that life's not me. It's him. And I live by his faith. Because he's faithful. Not me. Him. And I can be faithful enough to... To, to do one thing in the kingdom of God. 
the very best I could do might as well be the very worst I could do as far as satisfying God for the wickedness that I am. It's all Christ. And when your mind is on Christ, you say, sometimes I struggle with these. Sometimes I, I do have, I have strongholds in my mind. And I don't know how to renew my mind. I can't prove and test what that good, perfect will for God is. I don't seem to be able to get into that. Then get into the Word. Look at what Christ has to say about Himself. Look what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Focus your mind on the things of Christ. Believe it. Trust it. That's the faith that God's given you to do that. And that's what it's all about. So when you honor Him in that way, by declaring, even in your own heart and mind, it's not me. It's all Him. It's 100% the grace of God. Then you're going to live with that mind. Your mind's going to be right. You'll be able to make good decisions. Be able to live like you should. You know, have more peace in your heart. I pray that's a blessing to you. Amen. I probably couldn't sum that up in two points. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. I uh, I was thinking whenever you're talking there in Ephesians chapter 6, you were talking about uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In Ephesians chapter 6, the scripture says, verse 13 well, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the day, evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, And as Brother J.C. was saying, it's all about Christ. We don't take these things that we're fixing to read here, we don't take these pieces of armor and start putting them on so that we can fight. It says to stand. We've talked about this in our teaching through Galatians. Abide. Abide. You don't do nothing to abide. You just rest, right? It says to stand, therefore, Already having your loins girded about with truth. Who's the truth? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. It says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Who's righteousness? Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Who is the Prince of Peace? Who is in the gospel? What is the peace that is preached in the gospel? Christ has reconciled you unto God. Your sins have been forgiven. There's peace there. Jesus is your peace. Above all, taking on the shield of faith. He just said it right there. Who do we look to? It's the obedience of Christ. It's His faith. We look to His faith. Wherein ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. If we're looking at what He has done and not what we're trying to accomplish in this flesh, then we're going to be successful because His faith is going to quench out every fire, those fiery darts of your flesh and those of, the, of Satan and the world that is coming at you are going to say, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. The law of God is going to keep telling you, that's right, it's right, you're not holy. But yet the faith of Jesus Christ says it was done for you. 
and take on the helmet of salvation. Who is, the, who is our salvation? Christ is our salvation. He's the Lord, our salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Yes. The Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit comes to us, giving us understanding of this written Word of God, which is telling us about the Word of God. So keep our minds, as he said, on that, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, brethren, whenever he is talking about these weapons and putting on uh, these things, listen, it's putting on Christ. We put on Christ. We put off the old man and we put on Christ. That's putting on the armor. Putting on the armor is put on Christ, not to get your Bible and be able to, I'm going to ward off the devil with all these little things. No, this is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I tell you what, we believe in absolute predestination here. We believe that there isn't anything that God is not predestined. This morning I didn't have any clue that Brother J.C. was coming up here, but it wasn't by accident. I didn't even know he was going to preach for me this morning. But it wasn't by accident. Didn't know what he was going to preach. It wasn't by accident. God has predestined every bit of that. But what God gave him to speak of is a perfect segue to what I was going to preach this morning, which I'll preach next week, Lord willing. And that is that we walk in the Spirit because the lust, or the the flesh, lust against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. I'm going to talk, just pick up right where he left off, basically, on what this is, is that we cannot do, the lust wants something, the the flesh wants something, and it wants control, it wants to produce its own righteousness, it wants to be the one that's in the spotlight, it wants to be the one that's looked at, but the spirit that is in us, that new birth, that brought that new spirit, that new creature in us, it lusts against the flesh, and its desire is for Christ to be magnified. Its desire is for Christ to be on display. It's for us to be humbled and Christ to be exalted. And so that was a great segue, brother. Great introduction to next week's sermon. So you can come back if you want. Be here with us. Does anybody have anything you'd like to add to this? Any brothers that you would like to? Brother Kevin, got anything you'd like to add? I see you're kind of flipping through your Bible there. I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to say. No, no, no. Any, anybody got a question? We open it up for questioning up here and correction. Yeah, brother. If there's any anybody wants to correct or rebuke, well, I appreciate the message, brother. I agree with what you said there. That's a wonderful word the Lord's given us. Glad you're with us here today. Brought us that word. All right. Anybody got anything? Any prayer request or anything? Uh, yes, uh, Larry Armstrong. I, I know most of you guys probably don't know uh, Larry Armstrong, but he's a good friend of ours. Uh, his brother Tom Armstrong is a uh, used to pastor a church up the road from us here a ways, and uh, now is recently uh, retired from pastoring, uh, but uh, still preaches. And uh, I think they even have some services in their home on Sunday afternoons and Wednesday nights. But uh, anyway, his brother Larry uh, suffered some. Uh, uh, issues yesterday after our men's breakfast was over, uh, he uh, 
got they found some lesions on his brain. They ended up having to take him to the emergency room, found some lesions on his brain. Don't know if he suffered a stroke or not, but he just was kind of out of his mind yesterday afternoon or yesterday morning uh, as we were finishing up breakfast. And so um, keep uh, keep the Armstrong family in your mind. I haven't heard of updates uh, since yesterday afternoon. But if you would remember to uh, pray for the Armstrong family, Larry Armstrong's his name. Uh, he's an elderly gentleman. Uh, I'm not for sure exactly how old he is. I think he's... Yeah, he just had a birthday. Same birthday as Caden's. But... Uh, uh, Keep him in your in your prayers. Anybody else got a prayer? All right. Have word prayer. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you so much today for this wonderful time of fellowship that we have today, gathered around your throne, gathered around the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we are so thankful for the church. We are so thankful for uh, gathering us together through the salvation that's found only in Christ Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you have given us. We are very undeserving of the grace that's been bestowed upon your people. We're very undeserving through the sin that we have in our lives, the constant rebellion that we would have towards God. Lord, we are... Um, truly a blessed people uh, to have the imputation of righteousness given to us. Lord, we're truly blessed to have sins forgiven. We're truly blessed to have a holy God reconcile us to himself, to call us friend, to call us brother, to love us. It just truly is amazing. And Father, we're so grateful for what has been accomplished in doing the salvation of sinners through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we cannot exalt Him enough. Yes. And we cannot preach about Him enough. We cannot, uh, we cannot extol His name uh, high enough, uh, Father, in this lifetime, in this plane. And we'll spend all eternity trying to accomplish that, Father. And we look forward to that day that we stand and see our Savior we look forward to the day that we can stand in the person in the flesh that you give us at that time and stand and proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. To proclaim worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And Father, we just thank you today and we just pray that you have been with us by your Spirit. We pray that our worship has been pleasing to you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for the word of God that was preached for Brother J.C. and for uh, giving him the words to say this morning, Lord. And we pray that you've given us understanding. We pray that the Spirit would teach us and give us uh, the understanding of these things. And it might take um, what was heard, Father, and in our heart uh, would apply those things so that we might uh, worship you over all that you have done for us. And that, as Brother J.C. talked about, that we might present ourselves a living sacrifice. Uh, specifically, the way that we do that is through the service to your brethren, to these people that you have given to us mm-hmm. together with. Yes. Lord, that's how we show our service to God. And, and primarily, that service is done through exhorting, through the Word of God and doctrine. And 
encouraging each other in the gospel. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to continue in the gospel, to be faithful to the gospel, that you would hold us and keep us, preserve us as you've promised to do, Lord, that none of us would be found as a castaway, but, Lord, that you would be our salvation, not only in the legal aspect of it, but every day in the practical living of it, Lord, that you might work your will in us, that you might do your works in us, Father. We trust in those promises that you have given us, that you will work in us to will and to do your good pleasure, and that we will do every good work that you have ordained for us to do, no more and no less, and we live in that promise. We thank you again for all that you are, and we thank you for what you've done. I pray that you keep these brethren safe as they leave this place today, keep them safe, Lord, and and that you would uh, use them this week to minister the gospel to those that they are around, and may Christ be testified of and honored and exalted in all that we do and all that we say. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.